Well, good morning. Hey, I hope you had a great weekend. I had a pretty good weekend. I remember I got my shot on Saturday. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> Monday, Monday, March 22nd, 2021. Monday, March 22nd, 2021. You know, <clears throat> exactly one year ago today, I did my first aired report, uh, but it was on YouTube. Uh, the whole report was on the census. Uh, after you po- uh, YouTube pulled it without giving me any valid reasoning, I decided to transfer it several weeks later to a podcast. That was my first podcast. That day I started doing YouTube and this podcast. And uh, just a few days later, finally dropped YouTube entirely because I, I couldn't trust them, you know? They pulled me for no valid reason. Except people were probably probably complaining that I was pointing out the problems with this census. Anyway, <clears throat> the first day of my podcast started out as a normal news day. I was not aware of what had transpired that weekend until I started gathering the news. There was a little local news story in Minneapolis that happened on May 25th. I started gathering news for my first broadcast, my first news broadcast, as opposed to the the census was my first broadcast, the census uh, story. It was like a 40-minute or 50-minute thing. Then I started gathering news for my first news broadcast on May 27th. The little local news story that I had picked up on, a black man was killed by a police officer on May 25th, 2020. I started reporting on it. His name? George Floyd. Yes, that's right. George Floyd. That Monday, no one I talked to was talking about it. But that was about to change. I ran around, all, nobody had heard the story. Day by day, starting on the 27th, it began to build to the biggest story of the century on race relations. If you wanted to go back and see how that story came to be, start with my second podcast, May 27th, 2020. Anyway, PVTV, Political Views TV podcast, that's what you Google to find me. Tell your friends to uh, Google Political Views TV Podcast, and I'll show up right at the top of the search. I really appreciate you coming every day. Gosh, I I, I really do. It's truly amazing that I just happened to start my podcast the, the day that the George Floyd story was breaking. That just amazes me. I, I, I never knew what it was going to turn, turn out, what was going to happen. Anyway, uh, Saturday I got my first vaccine. Mine was the uh, Moderna, and my, uh, my second is scheduled for, for uh, April 17th. <clears throat> Barely felt the needle because I think it was a 25 gauge. A few minutes uh, uh, after I felt warm, but not feverish, just a little warm. Uh, about an hour later, I had an odd side effect I didn't expect. Just, to, just this is just to let you know in case you you guys have the same issues. Aggravation to an old injury. I had torn my bicep 
and uh, had it treated with uh, uh, stem cells. Uh, I felt pain at the exact location of the previous injury from several years ago. Uh, but, you know, the injection was in the same arm. Next time I'll get the injection in my other arm. Uh, then my throat started feeling a little raw, like, a, like from a cold. And two hours after the shot, I began to feel like I had a fever. I checked my temperature and I had a half degree rise. Normal for me is 97.6. And um, I, I had 98.1, which is considered still below normal. But it was a fever for me. Uh, I started drinking a lot of water uh, and did not take any medication. But I, I started drinking. I didn't really finish drinking. I, I never got a headache, so I, I was interested to see if I would. One hour l later, which is three hours after my dose, my temperature was back to normal and I did not feel feverish. I had barely touched my water and my throat was feeling better and almost back to normal. A half hour later, I started feeling some, uh, some bad muscle ache at the shot location, but nothing serious. <clears throat> I still have, uh, you know, that ache today when I move my arm, but it's not horrible. And although my, uh, my old injury is still a little aggravated. So don't get a shot in the same arm if you have any injuries there. Uh, Sunday morning, I woke up with a, uh, my head covered in sweat, but I had no temperature. In fact, my temperature was, when I checked it, was 96.6. Seriously. <laughs> anyway, now that I have your attention, let's try to fix the world. I, today, you know, today I got a little bit of a sore throat. I don't know if it has to do with the shot, but it's there. Just to let you know about it. <clears throat> Uh, the border is closed. Uh, that's according to uh, <clears throat> Homeland Security um, Alexandro Mayorkas. Uh, in an interview on NBC's Meet the Press, Homeland Security Secretary Alexandro Mayorkas said, the border is closed and that the U.S. was expelling families and adults but will not turn back young, vulner vulnerable children. And we talked about this last week. We know what the Trump administration did. They took children, they sent them out on the streets in Mexico. Right? Disgusting. <clears throat> anyway, he said the Biden administration was working to develop new policies to address the problem with Mexico and Central American uh, countries that are the source of uh, asylum seekers. He blamed former President Trump for having dismantled the orderly, humane, and efficient way of dealing with migrant children. He said, we are rebuilding those orderly and safe processes as quickly as possible, but in the meantime, we will not expel into the Mexican desert for uh, he, this is him speaking. For example, the three orphan children whom I saw over the last two weeks. We just won't do that. That's not who we are. By the way, I, as I said, unlike the Trump administration, Trump sending children eight years old into the streets of Mexico, into the desert, with no protection. You wonder, have any of them died because of this? Because Trump would not take them in? Unaccompanied minors? Yesterday, President Joe Biden said he would visit the border at some point, adding that a lot more can be done to ensure uh, migrants don't travel to the border. 
He said, we're in the process of doing it now, including making sure that we reestablish what existed before, which was they can stay in place and make their case for their home country. Uh, the U.S.-Canada border is also closed until April 21st. Darn Canadians bringing their laid-back peace and love. Ugh. This has been going on for months, and they keep extending the closure for uh, from uh, Canada uh, for COVID safety. It's more Canada that doesn't want us going up there. Anyway, um, huge case today in the Supreme Court, and I think unions are going to lose. Uh, we'll see. Uh, California's agricultural growers versus the farm workers union at the Supreme Court today. Over nearly half a century uh, of an old law stemming from the work of uh, Cesar Chavez. You celebrate his uh, uh, Cesar Chavez Day every, what is it, February, right? Is it February or January? I forget. Uh, the law enacted in 1975 allows union organizers limited access to farms so they can seek support from farm workers in forming a union. The growers challenge the law, contend that California, by giving union organizers a, a limited right of uh, access to farms, is authorizing a mass trespass on growers' private property. And that, they argue, is an unconstitutional taking of their property. Uh, property owners, they argue, have the right to exclude whomever they want. Either organizers should be barred from their land, they contend, or the state should pay the growers just compensation. It's possible. I mean, this is a right-wing court. They're probably going to fine uh, on the side of the growers, but it's possible the Supreme Court may limit the type of trespass, but we'll see what happens. 30 years after uh, uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton first uh, introduced a bill for Washington, D.C. statehood, she returns to Capitol Hill to do it again. H.R. 51 will be the subject of House Oversight Committee hearing today. It was approved by the Democratic-led House in a historic vote last year, but never reached the GOP-controlled Senate. Of course, we talked about this. We know the Republicans don't want D.C. statehood for good reason. G good reason for them that they don't want it. <laughs> and although Democrats now hold a slim majority in the Senate, the measure faces long odds in the Senate. The, uh, the bill uh, would reduce the size of the federal district and admit the state of Washington Douglas Commonwealth. That would be the name of the state in honor of the abolitionist Frederick Douglass. Uh, uh, and that would be the state. I, I would call it just, it's too confusing to call it Washington because we already have a Washington state. So I would just call it the uh, Douglas, Douglas uh, Commonwealth. Or maybe the W.D. Commonwealth. <laughs> uh, or, oh, East Washington Commonwealth. There we go. Um, anyway, advocates contend that statehood uh, uh, cause is a fight for racial justice as the majority of D.C.'s, you know, 700,000 residents are people of color. With a record number of co-sponsors, Norton says the bill is guaranteed passage in the House. The Senate version of the bill has more than 40 Democratic co-sponsors, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York. President Biden has repeatedly indicated support for D.C. statehood. New national polling conducted by Data for Progress and the Progressive Coalition Democracy for All 2021 Action 
shows a record high level of support with 54% of likely voters supporting D.C. statehood. But without Republican backing, the main obstacle to statehood lies in the Senate and specifically the chamber's legislative filibuster. Senate Minority uh, Leader Mitch McConnell, Kentucky, piece of crap, penned an op-ed in the uh, Wall Street Journal last week warning Democrats to be careful what they wish for. You know, wishing for the end to the filibuster. Um, should Republicans take control of the Senate, he's saying. You know, if, if they could take control, then they are also going to have that power. But if D.C. gets statehood, that would immediately mean two Democratic senators because there is no possible way for the Republicans to win in D.C. There's no possible way they could win in D.C. They, Biden won by like 94%. I mean, come on. Uh, and this, when a record number of Republican senators are planning to retire in 2022. I, Republicans are in serious, serious trouble right now. If D.C. statehood gets passed, that might be the end of the Republican Party. They're going to have to change. They're going to have to change. They're going to have to start doing stuff for the people in some way. <laughs> uh, remember when the Republicans were for unions? Wow. On March 2nd, the Biden administration welcomed uh, Colombia's decision to restart its aerial coca eradication program in Biden's first annual 2021 International Narcotics Control Strategy Report, which said the government of Colombia has committed to restarting its aerial coca reduction, coca reduction, eradication program. Why did I have trouble with that word? Uh, which would be uh, a most welcome development. Uh, more than welcome it. Both the Trump and Biden administration pushed for it, and I have a problem with it because of how it's done. Colombia plans to restart toxic aerial spraying of glyphosate on coca crops as early as next month. They are poisoning the land. In 2015, the Colombian Supreme Court ruled that spraying must end if the spraying of glyphosate was creating health problems. Also in 2015, the World Health Organization found that glyphosate, also known as Roundup, and we've talked about Roundup so many times, it was harmful to the environment and health, potentially causing cancer. In 2014, ending aerial uh, fumigation was central to peace negotiations with FARC, with the Colombian government agreeing with FARC negotiators that it would transition away from aerial spraying. The Colombian government was also facing significant pressure from the rural poor, poor who, who were organizing national protests against aerial fumigation and other forms of force eradication. More than 150 um, experts on drugs, security, and environmental policy in the region have written an open letter to Biden saying Duke's uh, spraying campaign is misguided and Biden's decision could not have come at a worse time. The aerial fumigation program using glyphosate in Colombia continued throughout the U.S. presidencies of Clinton, Bush, and Obama. We have got to find another way. We have got to find another way to stop the growing of uh, coca uh, if we're going to be controlling this. We can't poison their land and cause cancer, by the way. We're going to be sued if we, if we keep pushing this. 
How about purchasing crops from their country at a higher subsidized rate to offset the loss of not growing co uh, coca? I mean, that would certainly help. There's a lot of things we could do. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, Congressional Democrats on Friday unveiled a Build Green Infrastructure and Jobs Act, a bill that would invest $500 billion over 10 years in state, local, and tribal projects to galvanize the transition to an all-electric public transportation, reducing climate-damaging greenhouse gas emissions, uh, health-threatening air pollution, while expanding clean mass transit and creating up to 1 million new jobs. And, oh, man... I, I like that last one that I talked about last month, the, 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 um, uh, that one bill because of what it spelled. <laughs> the bill to provide grant funding to green, uh, to, uh, to green the nation's public transportation infrastructure while creating good-paying jobs in the process was introduced by Elizabeth Warren, Ed Markey from Massachusetts, and Representative Andrew uh, Levin, uh, from Michigan, and of course, AOC, New York, AOC rocks. Um, this is the bill. You ready for it? You ready to follow along with me? <clears throat> the Better Utilizing Investments to Leverage Development and Generating Renewable Energy to Electrify the Nation's Infrastructure and Jobs Act, which spells Build Green Infrastructure and Jobs Act. So Build Green I-J-A, whatever that, I don't know. But it, it spells Build Green. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Anyway, uh, it would jumpstart the transition for all electric public transportation, expand clean mass, mass transit to a underserved communities and help modernize our crumbling infrastructure by covering up to 85% of costs for eligible state, local, and tribal projects with an option for Secretary of Transportation to cover 100% of the cost. It would reduce carbon emissions by an estimated 21.5 million metric tons of CO2 annually, or the equivalent of taking 4.5 million combustible engine cars off the road. Prevent, it would prevent an estimated 4,200 deaths annually by reducing significant sources of local air pollution that causes adverse health, health, health effects and avert $100 billion annually in health care costs. It would start to correct decades of health disparities and environmental injustice by dedicating at least 40% of all funding to projects in frontline vulnerable, vulnerable and disadvantaged communities and create up to 1 million good new jobs with strong labor protections. A recent assessment by Climate Action Tracture of President Joe Biden's climate plans found his transportation policies to be inadequate if the U.S. is to reach its administration's goal of net zero emissions by 2050. So it's just not enough. We got to do something else. U.S. Representative Tom Reed, Republican, you know, Western New York who was accused last week of rubbing a female lobbyist back and unhooking her bra without her consent in 2017, apologized to the woman on Sunday and announced that he will not run for re-election next year. I, I got pretty good at unhooking a woman's bra with one finger, with uh, one hand, two fingers, uh, without looking when I was younger. But we were on a date, okay? 
I wouldn't do it to somebody that I worked with. Uh, anyway, Reed, who's 49, said in a statement that he the incident involving uh, a lobbyist, Nicolet uh, Davis, occurred at a time in his life in which uh, he was struggling. He said he entered treatment that year and he realized he was powerless over alcohol. Reed apologized to his wife and children and to uh, Davis and said he planned to dedicate his time and attention to making amends for his past actions. In other words, he is uh, retiring to spend more time with the family. (laughs) Uh, uh, Eager to capitalize. On the lasting presence of coronavirus, executives at Johnson Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer are quietly planning to hike prices on new doses in the near future once they decide the pandemic is over. And we knew that other shoe was coming, didn't we? (laughs) Uh, Many uh, many epidemiologists expect the coronavirus to become endemic, which means it comes every year like the flu. And as COVID-19 mutations continue to spread and booster shots may be required on a regular basis, leaders from the three companies are enthusiastic about cashing in. I would invest. Uh, Pfizer's chief financial officer, Frank D'Amelio, said during a recent healthcare conference, sponsored by Barclays Bank, said, as this shifts from pandemic to endemic, we think there's an opportunity here for us. The potential need for booster shots, Diamilo added, provides a significant opportunity for our vaccine from a uh, demand perspective, from a pricing perspective, given the clinical profile of our vaccine. Uh, <clears throat> and by the way, these, this, this mRNA is going to be used to cure cancer. This is what's happening in the future. So these are a a, a good um, investment, I would say. Uh, Moderna and Johnson Johnson have also pledged, not Johnson Johnson, Moderna and Pfizer are the two because those are the ones on the cutting edge of mRNA. Anyway, Moderna and Johnson Johnson have also pledged affordability for their vaccines for the duration of the pandemic, but have indicated to investors that they plan to return to more commercial pricing as early as late, later this year. Pfizer has agreed uh, to prices of uh, $19.50 per coronavirus vaccine dose in the U.S. and almost $64 per dose in the EU, leading to projections that the company would bring in $15 billion this year alone from sales. Uh, $4 billion would be purely profit. But those revenue projections are based on prices largely negotiated with governments under pandemic conditions, which could soon change. And these companies are going to make a killing. Uh, Unless the government decides, hey, you know what? We're going to extend the pandemic a little bit longer. You have to keep those prices low. Miami Beach calls a state of emergency, called out a state of emergency, because maskless spring breakers... Uh, you know what? A lot of them were older, which is really odd. And, and it makes sense because they're going to Miami, which is an older crowd in the first place. Um, they decided on an 8 p.m. curfew Saturday and then it ended up arresting a thousand people in the last few weeks. Uh, the rules, which began Saturday in a 72-hour state of emergency order, which was extended, will, will remain in effect through the end of the month with the possibility that they will extend it, uh, could be extended to mid-April when spring break will finally end. 
Uh, you know, uh, Florida cities have a have a tendency that they invite the spring breakers, they want the money, and then after a couple of years, they're like, oh, God, we're exhausted, we can't do it anymore. And then they, the spring breakers end up going to Daytona, and then they end up going to, I don't know, Boca or whatever. They won't go to Boca because, you know, that's a, such a rich area, it'd be too expensive for them. You know, I'm not a wine drinker. I'm really not. Occasionally, I'll have some wine with a friend if they're having wine, but I don't drink wine. I, I'm more of a whiskey guy or, or spiced rum. I, spiced rum is okay. I just don't drink, to tell you the truth. I might have a shot of something every couple of months whether I need it or not. Anyway, uh, Murphy Good Winery announced a one-year position with its team in Sonoma. Uh, Murphy Good's new hire should be ready to work to pursue their passion and that's what the company wrote. Uh, for the first few months, work duties are inten intentionally vast, allowing the new hire to figure out which aspects of winemaking they are interested in. This sounds interesting, actually, to me. Uh, they will be shadowing uh, winemaker David Reddy Jr., the son of one of the company's founders, and it's part of the exploratory process. After this, Murphy Good, the company wrote, it will work with the new employee to define their passions and carve out their place in the wine world. We have a job that will instantaneously catapult you into the wine stratosphere. That's what the company <clears throat> wrote. Uh, more potential job duties include acquiring knowledge of vineyards and winery operations and learning about the world of e-commerce. The company also wrote that the hire will develop strong working relationships across functions of the winery and work with teams to drive awareness and build demand for Murphy Good Winery. And how much can you get paid for this one-year job? $10,000 a month plus free rent in Sonoma if you want the job. So contact them, put in your resume, see see if you can get hired for that. I, I would do it. That's a good job. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. I, you know what? Gosh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming every day. I, I really do. Uh, you guys are awesome. Every one of you. You're awesome, awesome, awesome. Monday, May, uh, uh, March 22nd, 2021. March 22nd, 2021. PVTV, Political Views TV podcast. That's what you Google to find me. And bring someone along with you tomorrow if you can. Tell your friends to Google it. Say, hey, check this guy out. Uh, the FBI and Trump think he's a douche. You might too. But remember, always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. I'm Peter Lawrence reporting from Los Angeles.